0: Welcome to Divine Honey Podcast. I'm your host, your friend, your daily inspiration, Tamika Johnson. If this is your first time tuning into the show, this show is about human experiences. This includes thought-provoking conversations, and most importantly, our Divine Honey guest who continue to share stories about love, life, journey, and purpose. If you're watching live or on the replay and you're inspired to leave a comment, please do so. We look forward to seeing you and hearing your comments and your feedback. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe to the Bougie Girl channel. You do not wanna miss any episodes of Divine Honey and any of the other amazing videos. I would like to welcome this week's Divine Honey guest, Yolanda Wembley. She's a proud mom, a proud mother and a transformative life coach. Her business is Yo Make Me Over, transformative life coaching for women. She has a certification in phlebotomy and has associates in human relations and now we can add author to her many accomplishments today she is here sharing with us her memoir a mother's love this book she is transparent vulnerable and discussing mental health issues failures triumphs and perseverance welcome yolanda welcome
1: thank you for having me i'm so excited to be here
0: Yes, thank you for joining. And I do want to congratulate you on your book. It's a big, a big accomplishment. And we're happy you're sharing your story with us.
1: Yes, it it was it was a labor of love for sure. Um, Definitely. I was really in a space where I just let it all hang out. Um, It was times when I was like, do I want to share that? Like, Do I want to, you know, offer up that information and Mm -hmm. it was, why not, you know, why not share um, the information that I shared in the book? Um, I feel like it was warranted for this time Mm -hmm. and season. Um, and, And so I did.
0: Yes. And we're glad you did. How did you know that it was time to do it? And what was that process?
1: Well, even before I moved here to Arizona, I knew it was time. Um, I had been talking about writing a book for a long period of time, um, even before I got here from um, Atlanta. So once I got here, well, let me bang up a little bit. I lost my mom. So that really was like a big push. Like, you gotta do this. You gotta live your life you know, to the fullest, you got to do all those things that you desire and you dream about. So it was more of a, a memorial to my mom also. Um, she's a big inspiration as to why I went on and wrote the book. Um, I felt like it needed, people needed to hear our story because I felt like it was so many other mothers and daughters, like relationships like hers and mine's that needed to be talked about, those things that nobody wants to share. And I felt like it needed to be shared
0: and now was the time. Yes. Okay. So in the book, A Mother's Love, it outlines you and your mother's relationship. Can you explain what that was and then the big part with mental health, how that played a part?
1: So let me bang up because when people read the book for sure, they will see me talk about a lot of trauma, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things that was not comfortable that happened during my childhood and upbringing but also things that had tried, transpired in my mother's life as she was parenting mm-hmm. um but my mother was a wonderful woman um, she she had her desires for me and my brothers were she wanted us to be successful mm-hmm. she wanted us to be better than what she had done and There were so many dreams, I'm sure, that she never was able to live up and live out and accomplish. So, um, I just had to write the book. But the book is very transparent. I I saw my mom deal with a lot of mental health issues. And, of course, in the black community, we don't talk about mental health. You know, um, we just always suck it up be your strong black woman, get over it, you know, you'll be all right. And I see, you know, different things transpire in my family that really sent my mother further into depression. Um, And of course, with us not being able to talk about depression and mental health in the black community, she suffered in silence. And it came out in, through her parenting her relationships not just as a parent but in her relationships in, in general mm-hmm. um, i would hear my mother often say how my nerves are bad mm-hmm. i didn't know what that meant you know early on but she said it often and i got to a point where my nerves became bad you know because mm. that was the way that i had her depression and anxiety expressed as your nerves being bad so um a lot of times I didn't understand why my mother would communicate with me um in certain terms and why she did certain things that she did. Um and I became resentful um to my mom. Um because I felt I was looking for our relationship to be what what I saw on TV, mm-hmm. you know, which wasn't realistic, you know. Um so there was a lot of resentment and along the way I started getting involved in certain situations that was that were not unhealthy. They really sent me down a really dark path. You know, where I started having issues with my own mental health and I wound up, you know, just succumbing to some things that I had no idea um, what I was doing in those moments. I was just trying to pacify myself and comfort myself, you know, and self-medicating through sex Mm -hmm. and, you know, other things that were, that were unhealthy.
0: Yes. So in that, in turn, you were looking for love.
1: Of course.
0: And validation. For sure. And how were you able to what was the thing that helped you helped you push through, like your traumas?
1: So I always, you know, I think we always have somebody that is stable
0: mm-hmm.
1: enough in our lives to kind of give us a glimmer of hope and light. And for me, I had a mentor. Um, like I said, in spite of what was going on with my mother, she was still a, a she was still a light. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, um, my grandmother was around and I always felt like it was something more. I always felt like that. Even in the midst of the trauma, I always felt like it's got to be more than this. This just can't be it. You know, I always felt like it was so much more greater in me than what I was experiencing in that moment. So I, I, I never gave up. I'm like, okay, it's gotta be something better. It has to be. And when I just start believing in myself and, you know, growing into myself and loving everything about me that made Mm -hmm. me me, even those things that I felt like I didn't like about me, Mm -hmm. I accepted all of me, even those things. And when I did that, it was like an aha moment. Like Yolanda, you're 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 great just the way you are. Those incidents mm-hmm. of things that happen to you, that is not who you are. So I began to just dig deeper into myself. Like who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, I spent time with myself. I began to explore and do different things that I had never done before. Like packing up and moving to Atlanta, moving from Atlanta to Arizona. That was a big milestone in my life big, you know, what, 43, I pack up and leave my job for 14 years. It was like, no, I got to see what's out here in this world. I can't just stay here in this spot anymore. I got to go out and see what's out there. And that's what I did.
0: Amazing. We do have a comment. It says advice on overcoming, overcoming feelings of fear and feelings of unworthiness.
1: So fear, fear is always with us. A lot of us don't, don't want to recognize, hey, that this is fear. I took fear with me. Mm-hmm. In the face of fear, we have to do it with fear in our pocket. It's like, okay, fear, you here, you coming with me. I'm not going to allow you to stop me because fear is not necessarily going to go away. No. Because people are always like, I'll do it when I'm over the fear. Okay, you got you to gotta bring that fear with you. Do it afraid. And the, yes, and I allowed the fear to be the thing that, that pushed me. Because it's like if I'm afraid, it must be something real great on the other side of these. You get what I'm saying? Because why am I so fearful? It must be something really, really great. So you know what, fear? You coming with me. Because me and you both don't see what's on the other side of these. And finding my worth, it was it had it had a lot to do with my my self-esteem and how I viewed myself. I view my I had viewed myself so long through the lenses of what other people see. Mm. And what other people thought of me. And it's like, okay, Yolanda, but what do you think of you? How do you see your worth? And I really sat down and I had to set, sit with myself and think about, who am I? What makes me worthy? And I and nobody can answer that question for you. Mm. That's a question that you have to sit with and say, And why are you not worthy? Mm. Why am I not worthy? Because somebody said that I'm not worthy. I'm um, assuming because of the things that have transpired in my life makes me unworthy. Why am I not unworthy? And it's like, Yolanda, you are worthy. So self-talk, anything motivational, it was like, give it to me. Mm -hmm. Because I had heard so much negative information being fed into me, I started feeding myself with everything positive. Anything motivational, listening to her, reading, that's what I fed myself. So we have to feed ourselves with positive information, positive Mm -hmm. confirmation. Even the people that we allow into our atmosphere, it has to be positive because when you're in a space where you feel like you're unworthy Mm -hmm. and you got fear there, you need to attach yourself to whatever is positive.
0: What would you say to anyone that's watching or is going to watch this? Um, how can they overcome like what is the first step of because you know we spoke about esteem right and not using the word not weak we're standing in our vulnerability so more so how about this how do you stand in your vulnerability what advice how did you do it and what advice would you give in that space
1: i had to sit with the things that i was uncomfortable about that had transpired in my life I had to sit with it I had to really take a good internal look at those things that I didn't like about myself that I felt like I had allowed to transpire in my life and I had to forgive myself so Mm -hmm. forgiveness is key because we always talk about us forgiving other people we got. We have to forgive ourselves, too, which is the hardest thing to do. Because most of us can be so critical of ourselves, and I was so critical of myself. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like, why, why did my life turn out like this? Like, why did these things happen to me? I'm not a bad person. You know, like, why? And I really had to forgive myself and say I didn't know who I was in that moment. I didn't know who I was. And I had to accept that in those moments, I didn't know who I was. And it's all right. So compassion is key. Uh-huh. We always talk about compassion. You got to be compassionate to them. What about self-compassion? We have to we have, to have our self-compassion for ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. So the first step is, for, is to forgive yourself. For those mm-hmm. things that you're holding on to mm-hmm. that that has made you feel unworthy, that has caused you to second guess your worth, forgive yourself. Forgiveness is key.
0: Do you think um black women were harder on ourselves? Like we lack compassion for ourselves. Yes. And how do we fight that? How do we jump that hurdle of showing compassion and love for ourselves and expecting that from other people.
1: That's that's the hardest thing. I think mm-hmm. our expectations of each other, especially when, when it comes to black women, we're so hard on each other. We are so hard on each other. It's, and a lot of us have some of the same realities. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like We have the compassion, compassion. And I think, like I just said, that compassion starts with you. When you can give yourself that compassion, then you're able to give it to others. But a lot of times women, as black women, we don't sit with ourselves and just allow ourselves to be compassionate to yourself. If you haven't done that for you, you can't give it to anybody else. You don't embody that. So you have to stand in a space where you're compassionate. You have to do it for you first. You have to. You're not able to give what you don't embody and what you Mm. don't have.
0: Can't give what you don't have. I do have another question for you from Iman. It's from your book, which experience do you keep with yourself as a lesson? And you're happy that you've learned.
1: Oh, wow. What experiences I keep with myself. That's a good one, Iman. <laughs> um, the dark nights. Mm-hmm. The dark, lonely nights when I felt like nobody cared. I still, that, that still is with me. Um, I still hold on to this, those moments, but I hold on to them as a way of motivating me. Like, no, that happened. I remember it. I won't ever forget it. But it does not have any power or control over me anymore. So I, I, I take those things and I use them as a way to, it's a it's strength for me now. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not in that space anymore, but I understand what it, what it looks like and feel like to be in that space.
0: Nice, I love
1: it. Um, my children. My children are like one of the best things that happened to me in my life. One of the best things. And I always wanted them to be proud of me. You know, we talk about so much how parents want, you know, we want our kids. The kids want to make us proud. Well, what about us making our children proud? (sighs) You know, what about, I want my children to be able to say, Yolanda Wembley is my mother. Like that's my mom, not yeah. That's my mama. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I want them to be proud of me. I want them to be able to say that's my mama. Did you know who my mother is? You know, yes. with with gleam in her eyes. Not like yeah, that's my mama. You know, but I want them to be proud of me. Not only do I, they try and make me proud. I want them to be proud of me. Love
0: it. There we have another question from G Ware. it says, Hey, what are some things that you did deal with grief after losing your mom? I lost my mom in 2016 and it still feels as though I lost her yesterday.
1: You know, you know, we always hear people say, Oh, you're get over with, with the time. Um, just give it time. I don't know if that's something that you ever get over. You know, your your mother was the first introduction when mm-hmm. it came to you entering into this world. That's the first person you met besides the doctors. <laughs> but this person is the one that helped you grow and, and taught you lessons and of course you know we feel like over time that it'll just go away and we'll get over it no but you hold on to those lessons that your mother taught you because your mother is still with you she ain't gone she lives she lives through you and that's what i hold on to my mother lives through me i am my mother you are your mother male or female it's not about sex you are your mother and you may not never get to a point where that's totally a space where you just, okay, it's all right. I don't think that's what it's it's about, forgetting about that person. You'll never forget them. You'll always hold on to my mother's not here. But hold on to what was the lessons that she taught you when she was here? What are the things that you can take from her and, and, and pass it on to your children? You know, because cause your mother is still living, because you're still here. You're an extension of her. Mm-hmm. And I think as time go on and you come into your purpose and your truth as to why you're here, then everything else makes sense. Even why your mother's no longer here. If everything happened, we hear this sad so much, it can be cliche that everything happens for a reason. You know, even with my mother passing, it was like, okay, God, why? And now I conversations, you know, it was so many things more that I needed to say. And it was like, God just cut that in the mm-hmm. mid with no explanation, nobody knew it was gonna happen. It mm-hmm. just happened. And I'm like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do now with this? And he was like, you need to learn how to forgive and go live your life on purpose to the fullest. And that that's what I would encourage anybody who has lost their mom. Go live your life on purpose. Um, Learn how to forgive. Um, and, 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 and teach your children the things that your mom taught you that you still hold on to. And that's what we usually hold on to. And that's why we miss them so much and why we'll Mm -hmm. never get over it. You know, because those things that they instilled in us. And it's all right if you'll never get over it. It's all right. Never let anybody make you feel any type of way because you're grieving 16 years later. It's perfectly Mm -hmm. fine.
0: So what is the biggest, like the biggest lesson that your mother taught you? And also, what do you think she would say now? Look, if you were sitting side by side with her, what do you think she would say to you?
1: Oh, I think she would be so proud. Mm -hmm. To see her face on the cover of a book. Yes. Whoo, she would be ecstatic. Like me? Yolanda, you wrote a book about me, and I'm on the cover of the book? She would be so proud of me
0: yes i do love that you reading the book i will say this it felt like i was there in the pages like with you and your mother i could see what everybody looked like what they were doing and um the thing i appreciated is man you showed your mom compassion a lot of us don't do that we don't realize that our parents were people they were before they were our mothers they were hurt things happened to them and I love that you showed her compassion and you it was a beautiful book.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, once I became a parent and um, it really made me reflect on my relationship with my mom. And then I started thinking about all the things that I had went through before I became a parent. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about my mom, like, okay, I don't know what all she went through before before she became a mother. You know, she was a daughter. Um, she was a cousin. she, You know, she was so many, a girlfriend, a wife at some time, point in her life. And it's like, I don't know what all transpired during that time before she became my mother. And a lot of times we only see see our moms in one dimension Mm -hmm. just our mother nothing else we don't see the pain that they may have endured in their childhood we don't see um you know the different traumatic things that may have transpired or did transpire we don't necessarily know and one day they're our moms, so we hold our mothers to a certain status we have them on this this pedestal or whatever and not realizing that they are human they have feelings and emotions they have had hurt and pain they have had things that they never really dealt with and got over and sometimes it comes out in their relationships and in their parenting and i I, I had to take a a, a A moment and just sit with that. Like, okay, I'm sure some things that my kids don't necessarily agree with some of the decisions I have made in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to realize, and it's like, okay, that's where the compassion came in. In like, okay, Yolanda, you want compassion from your children, Because you don't necessarily think they understand like your journey up until becoming a parent. What about your mother? What about your mom? You don't think she had a journey before she became your mother? So you got to extend that compassion to her. Because I sat in the space for a long time where I couldn't forgive my mama for some things that I felt like Mm -hmm. she should have did different. Mm -hmm. You know? And then it was like, Yolanda, that's not all right. You know, when my mother actually got Because I'm really transparent, even in the book about this, Uh and I've seen her not at her best. I've seen the vulnerability. I saw not just my mother in that moment, I saw a black woman that had done everything that she could possibly do with what she had, so me and my siblings would be all right. Uh And in the midst of that, sometimes she made decisions that I didn't necessarily understand. And sometimes it came out, her her pushing us, especially me, being the only girl, her pushing me, it it wasn't always comfortable. It didn't Mm -hmm. always sound like, it wasn't always peaches and cream. Mm -hmm. Because she was determined that she didn't want me wind up like her so she said it the best way she knew how and it was all out of love but of course in those moments it didn't sound like it (laughs) it did not sound like it but um, as I've grown and just my understanding she wanted nothing but the best for me and if she was sitting right here she would say I am so proud of you I always knew that you had it in you I always knew because our parents see our mm-hmm. they see our gifts and talents. They see them from the very beginning. And they 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 try to get us to see what they see, but we just don't see it in those moments. You know, but they do. So they do everything humanly possible to get us to that point. And a lot of times we're we're resistant, like, mm-hmm. huh, what? You know, because we got so many other influence. It's our peers, you know, our own mindset, and you know, so it's like mom it's like a tug of war. You yes. know, and um, but
0: I think she will be proud of me. I, I know she is. I think I she, she, will she will be, be too. Um, actually we have another, we have a few questions, but we have a question who is from the next person. It's from Gerald Nunez. What's your best memory? you have from your childhood with your mother. What's your favorite quote from your mother?
1: Oh, honey, I don't even know why you brought up quotes. That lady had some quotes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was funny. Let me tell you something. She was funny for sure. Um, I think about her coming. She was always at the school. She was always involved. You know, if I had a speech, she was there. Um. Every holiday, she we went to my grandmother's house, and my grandmother always cooked, so we was always together as a family. Um. Who one of her favorite quotes? It's so many, Gerald. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start. Uh, she would always say, "Anytime something came up about money and you owed owed a bill and you didn't have the money, she." <laughs> She was like, pay 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 on what you could pay now and pay the rest later. Or <laughs> uh, even she would say, uh, someone was kinda kinda uh, I don't know if I can say it on the podcast. Oh go ahead. Oh.
0: You speak freely. We speak okay, freely on here.
1: Freely. Okay, don't tell me that her <laughs> mama has some sayings. <laughs> um I'm trying to think of one. She always would talk about Rob Peter the pay Paul. And mm-hmm. um, another one she would have is funny because she, she would, you know, work like cleaning up people's homes or cleaning up different offices or whatever. And if it was something that we didn't have at home, she would bring it home from the job. And, mm-hmm. and we would always be like, they gave you that. <laughs> and she would be like, those are my fringe benefits. <laughs> And that was her well saying, no, they ain't give it to me, but um, we needed it. <laughs> so I just thought I'd just borrow it and bring it on hold. They ain't going to miss it. Yeah. Uh, um, It's so, so many. I can't even think right now, Jerry. You put me on the spot. Um. So she had a friend. Now, this one is going to be a little explicit and she kept going back to the man he would jump on her and beat her and she would continue to go back and my mother would be like why you keep messing you know why you keep going back you act like he got a a gold dick was sealed with silver nuts and a diamond in his navel." and I would be there like what she had some sayings that was out of this world that was just Everybody loved her. Everybody that came into her presence, they loved laughing. Uh. She always had something funny to say. Um, she was very uplifting. She was very giving in the community. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew her in in our, our neighborhood. Nobody did not know Ada. And they knew that she did not play. <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely... Um, that mother in the neighborhood, like, do not go around Aiden those shooting them dice. She gonna call the police on you. <laughs> uh, sometimes she would be like, Look, y'all give me about five, ten of them dollars, or I'm gonna call the police. <laughs> that was just her. And everybody, everybody knew that she she didn't really wanna call the police on anybody, but it's like you're not gonna do it in front of my door.
0: Right. Just so you, you know.
1: Just so you know, you gotta go somewhere to do that. You're not gonna do that in front of my door. But everybody loved her. I mean, she still there are still friends of hers that still mm-hmm. call me today.
0: Oh, well, that's amazing. And,
1: and they're like, you know, I really miss your mom. You know, she was like one of my best friends and she always made me laugh and you know, so um, just so many sayings, Jerry, maybe I should write a book, with just her sayings in it. That's a good
0: idea. Um, G where says, where can you find the book? I do. It's on Amazon. The link is in the description. I will also post it in the comment and um, we'll give more. I'll reiterate at the end of the pod as well. But I just saw that comment. But Iman had something else for you. What's some advice you can give to people who deal with experience that may be similar to your own?
1: They need to just come on I and help life coach them.
0: Yes, and that, that her website is in the link, or is in the description as well. And So that, yeah.
1: that's that's definitely a little journey. You know, mm-hmm. some our, um, experiences may be similar, but of course we're all different. Mm-hmm. So um, it just depends on the other individual. But one, I would say, and it'll, it'll go back to what I said earlier, compassion. Mm-hmm having self-compassion for yourself and not allowing those things to define you because that's not who you are and Mm -hmm. that's what we have to remember those are just experiences and things that happen to happen but that's not who you are and, and don't allow anybody to put you in that box and say because these things transpired in your life or you got involved in these things, or you did this, that that's who you are. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. That's not who you are. Those are just experiences that happen to happen along your journey in this life. Mm -hmm. We all have them. So it's it's not about the experience, it's about how you, as an individual, handle that experience. Do you allow it to define who you are, or do you take that experience and you, you you learn from it, yes. you know? Or do you just let it like, okay, I guess I'm just that person because these are the things that happen, so that's who I am. No. No, that's not who you are. You're not defined by your experiences. You are defined by how you handle those, those experiences moving forward.
0: Well, good one. I like this question. This is from Deontes. It's what is the importance of faith in your life? Because in the book, it shows your walk of you starting to go to church and, um, or, you know, going, someone inviting you to church and you really wanted to be there. And then how basically you, you walked in your faith and you listened to God and walking in your purpose. So I'll describe a little about that. So you
1: cannot have this, you can, you can have a journey without faith in God and spirituality, but I don't know how successful you would be,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, in the sense of living out to your full potential. So I've always had a relationship with God, even in the Mm -hmm. midst of, um, going through all the different trials that I went through. So God has played a significant role in my life and who I am becoming and who I have become became already. Um, if it was not for my Creator, I don't know if I would have gotten through a lot of those, a lot of those situations, because it was a time when I felt like I was literally going to lose my mind. Like, like, am I crazy? And um, I found in that space that no, I wasn't crazy, and no, I wasn't going to lose my mind. But God was trying to get me to a space where he could truly use me for his purpose. Mm-hmm. So my faith, I, I don't think I would be here without my faith. Um, my, my faith is what I hold on to every day of my life. Mm-hmm. It's so important. I don't think... You can try to live in this world and, 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 and just be so great and so happy and so whatever else without faith in, in, in God, you know, and of course, we all call him different things. Some, mm-hmm. you know, call him Allah, some call him Jesus. I'm, I'm not one of those people that like to get into the mm-hmm. the who's right, who's wrong when it comes to that. I just really feel like it's about relationship. It's about having a relationship with the creator. Now what you call him, I'm not gonna get into that. I don't mm-hmm. I don't like to go down that um that rabbit hole because I think it's it's insignificant at the end of the day because it's only one. And I think when you seek out truth, mm-hmm. when it comes from the creator, you're gonna find it. I don't care what you call him. You know, mm-hmm. that's just my idea. when you when you seeking in truth, when when it comes to just the creation. And the creator, you're gonna find it. You will find it, no matter what you, you choose to call call them. You're gonna find it. And my faith has been—I wouldn't be in Arizona without faith. Faith is what got me here. Faith and fear. Ooh. Faith and fear is what got me here. I was afraid I I kept having this nudging in my spirit Like Yolanda you gotta leave You gotta leave And I'm like I've been at my job 14 years Are you serious God How am I gonna leave I'm like 40 something years old How am I just gonna pack up and go start over And, And that And that faith part just kept pushing Like you gotta leave And I got up one day And I called my son And I said I'm leaving Atlanta And he was like, okay. (laughs) I went to work that next morning and I wrote my resignation. I was literally shaking as I was typing my resignation. That was fear, Mm -hmm. but faith was in the room too. Okay. I typed the resignation. I sent it over. I hit sin. Faith hit sin. Fear was shaking, but it still happened.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: So in the process, I'm like, OK, Lord, where am I going to live when I get there? And let me show you how faith works. I said, where am I going to live when I get there? So I went online, and I started looking for places to live. And I found my apartment in Tempe. They was like, OK, just let us know when you get here. I said, OK, they go faith. I found somewhere to live. Then fear came and knocked on the door again and said, well, where you going to work? And people would implant fear into you, too, if you listen to them. 100%. That's why you have to be careful who you're talking to. And they was like, "Wait, where you going to work? Where you going to this? I went online. Here comes Faith again. I said, oh, I'm going to find a job. The Mayo Clinic called me. The number one hospital in the nation called Yolanda Wembley. That was Faith. They called... We did the interview. They called me back. They offered me the job. But in addition to them offering me the job, they said, we're going to give you a sign-on bonus and relocation, money. When you step out on faith in the process of the fear, this is what happens. So it was like, okay, Lord, I I was so high on faith at that time. I forgot about the fear. It was like, what fear? There was no fear anymore. God had shown me that if in the process I had faith in what he was saying, even if I didn't realize Mm -hmm. what the outcome would be, just follow my voice. Just follow my voice. At the end of the day, I know it don't make sense. I know you can't see where you're going, but follow my voice. And when I follow his voice, I made it safely here to Arizona. I didn't miss a beat. I moved right into my apartment. I started working three weeks after I got here. I was making more money than I was making in Lab court.
0: Ooh! And he was with you every step of the way. He was
1: with me every <laughs> step of the way. So, faith. You got to have faith and fear. When you got fear, you better have some faith somewhere. Like, so I had both of them. God, I and that. But I allowed that faith, even time fear tried to raise his ugly head. I'm like, okay, I knew the voice of God, and I knew what he was saying. So I'm like, okay, I I, I, I couldn't. It was just something in my bone, like I I, I had to follow the voice. And, and that's why I talk about that inner voice. We all mm-hmm. have it. Oh, yeah.
0: Each
1: and every one of us have it. The question is, are you gonna listen? Or are you gonna allow the things of your past to overshadow the voice of God? Because God is mm-hmm. always speaking. We just have to have the faith to follow and we have to open ourselves up to listen because he's always speaking. He's never not speaking.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He's never not in a space where he's not guiding us. The question is, are we going to follow?
0: I love it. Are we going to follow Um, another faith? Yep. Tanya here, said Faith over here. And Iman, her question was, and th- this is a great question because a lot of, and especially in our community, is dealing with um, mental health. And you know, we don't talk about it. Um, there's a lot of judgment um, secret behind it. So what extracurricular activities do you consider for people dealing with mental he- health issues because With dealing with mental health issues, you have to do things, you know, to lift your spirits or you have to kind of keep moving, not be idle.
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. So I think earlier, if y'all can see the back of my wall here, my drop here. So I do a lot of canvas painting now. I had never painted in my life just to be painting. So now I do a lot of canvas painting. It's very therapeutic. Um, I have several different paintings that I've painted myself and I have them hanging in my home. So um, one of them is behind me. The, the one here, I don't know if you can see it. I'm gonna show you this one. So I painted that one myself and it's just a little family. So I do a lot of canvas painting. I recently uh, became a plant mother. So I have tons of plants, um, never never could grow in my life. So I find that these things are all therapeutic. Um and the plants give me something to nurture. Most of us are nature nurturers mm-hmm. by nature. So with the plants and they're gonna give me a return. I don't have to worry about them kind of coming back later on and throwing anything up in my face. <laughs> so um so definitely canvas painting plants um journaling Mm -hmm. um finding something that you enjoy doing just for you without the kids without the spouse this is just for me this brings me to a space where i'm peaceful and 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 it brings out your creativity i would recommend anybody do canvas paint you don't have to know how to paint it's called abstract paint just get you some some um paint and a canvas and just go for it. So painting for sure, cause a lot of us in the process of those dark moments, we 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 kind of the creativity doesn't go anywhere, mm-hmm. but the those dark moments kind of overshadow the creativity. So we feel like we it's just not there. It's still there. You just gotta ignite it. It ain't mm-hmm. went nowhere. So, being creative, arts and crafts, and I know that sounds so simple, but mm-hmm. think about it. When we were children, we did arts and crafts, mm-hmm. and it was the biggest thing to run home and bring mommy that picture that you colored or painted. Mm-hmm. So it's the simple things, it's, it's just getting back to those things that are just so simple, That, mm-hmm. that that could be just so significant
0: and so therapeutic. And I would say anything arts and crafts. Oh, I love it. Well, Yolanda, at the end of each episode, we do nine questions, just right off the dome. The first Uh word you ever think of. So. How? The first word that comes to mind. Okay. All right, let's do it. What's your favorite word?
1: My favorite word? Honey,
0: what's your least favorite word?
1: I can't. I know that's more than one word, but it anything negative. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. (laughs) What would you consider your theme song? What would represent you?
1: I'm coming out. I want the world to know. That was the first thing that came to my mind.
0: (laughs) Love it. Um, What sound or noise do you love?
1: The fan.
0: That is relaxing.
1: I sleep with my fan all year round. Summer, fall, winter, spring. It's just something about the fan. It's so soothing and comforting to me.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: I don't like gunshots. I hate mm-hmm. to hear gunshots. I grew up in an environment where I heard them on a regular, so it, they're very triggering.
0: What uh, motivates you?
1: My children.
0: Your purpose.
1: Oh, my purpose is the is it, to tear down the stigma that has been attached mental health in the black community.
0: Yes. Sun, moon, or stars? Sun. And what would you like God to say to you when you get to heaven?
1: Well done.
0: Yes, yes. Well, Yolanda's book can be found on Amazon. I do have it in the link in the description, so Mm -hmm. go straight to it. Purchase it, leave her a comment, share it on your social media. Um, also, I put her webs- your website on there. Um, you can get transformational coaching from her. And also on March 15th at 1 p.m. She is having a book signing at the Grassroots Bookstore in Phoenix. That's also in the link. Um, continue to leave comments in the section for Yolanda, any questions and, um, yeah, is there anything you want to leave anybody with our audience with? Any parting words?
1: Look, y'all know I'm a I'm so emotional, y'all. I wasn't supposed to have tears, but whenever I talk, whenever I stand in, stand in the space where I'm can be open and transparent and be myself, these tears always start. It's definitely has been ministry for me. These tears, but I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please please comment I want to know I want to hear from you and I want to leave y'all with this listen listen to your inner, inner listen to the inner spirit it is speaking remember God is always speaking always and you haven't done anything too wrong or you haven't done anything too out of his touch. He is listening, and he has a purpose for your life.
0: Don't forget it. Thank you, Londa, for coming on and sharing with us. We appreciate you. I wish this book is going to be a success. Please go get it. Please support. Please support. Until next time, peace and blessings. And thank you, everybody who commented that's listening. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. And until next time. Bye, guys.
1: Bye.